Welcome back to 444.com's Most Hacker Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Joined as always is uh, is joining me as always is John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing today? Good. I always enjoy some of the pre banter that we have before the podcast, and we uh, we had a good one today, John. I wish we can let listeners in on it, but it's always it's always fun to catch up with you for a couple minutes before we sign on. Yeah, it's it's funny. I, I go on Matt Kelly's podcast uh, every year. Uh, he's named himself the Podfather, but he'll he'll put the pre show and post show like comments in there, so you have to be careful. But oh, I, I, I some I don't of the like stuff. Yeah, some of the stuff that we talk about just not we, we can't talk about it on air so we're <laughs> and you know listeners hate this conversation right now because they want to hear it so badly not right now but exactly not yeah i was actually thinking let's, that when i brought that up so let's move on we'll talk about the, we're going to talk a lot of quarterbacks in today's podcast but before we do john tell us about the music yeah we started this uh most accurate podcast playlist which is available on spotify with with a very much a uh, Black Keys vibe because we both like the Black Keys and mm-hmm. it's been mostly me finding the music and putting it and trying to present it to you and present it to the listeners. Um, but Marcus King is uh, is the, the name of the artist here. He, he has uh, an album. His third album came out called El Dorado. The name of the track is The Well. And uh, I was just doing a little bit of research. I thought this was a perfect fit sound-wise, you know, with with the, with the playlist. And I, he's from Greenville, South Carolina. And it turns out that uh, Dan Arbach, the uh, lead singer of the Black Keys, actually produced this album. So it makes a lot of sense that it uh, it fits in with the uh, the the whole vibe of the podcast uh, playlist. Um, I added it to the to the podcast playlist. You can find that on Spotify. Uh, we also put a link in the show notes. Beautiful. All right, today we're going to start a four-part series tackling one position each week. So stay tuned for an in-depth discussion about John's 2021 quarterback rankings, and that's what we're going to do today. But first, we have partnered with Underdog Fantasy, and we're offering a free 4 for 4 Pro subscription. That's a $59 value just for depositing $10 at Underdog as a new user. Not only that, but Underdog will also give you a bonus $25 in your account, and our partners at FFPC will give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues if you're a new FFPC user. So returning FFPC users, they'll get a $10 credit. It's important that you use our code, though. It's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, all caps. Number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, all caps, and you're going to claim that that's the way to claim the free subscription. For all the details, just go to bit.ly backslash 4 for 4 deal, and that last part is all caps. The 4 for 4 part, deal, 4 for 4 deal, all caps. Or hit that pinned tweet on John's Twitter page, at 4 for 4 underscore John. We've never had an offer like this, John. We talked about it in the last, the last podcast, so we're hoping that all of our listeners can take advantage of it. I mean, we're talking about a $59 value for a, a pro subscription to 4 for 4, $25 uh, account for underdog, $35 in credit if you're new FFPC user, $10 credit if you've uh, if you're if you're already an FFPC user. I mean, it's it is quite the deal, but you want to make sure you jump on it now cuz this is, you know, you you're not going to have the entire season to jump on this. That that value alone from the pro subscription is great. Yeah, and uh you know, Luis uh, who runs all this uh gave me some numbers and you know, it's going really well. So we, Good. a lot of people are taking advantage of this. And uh, like I said last week, this is the best deal that I can remember in the 10 years that I've been with 444. And it's just a great partnership with uh, Underdog. I did a draft yesterday with James Coe on a live stream. Uh, we did a $5 12 team. And the, the draft went really fast. 30-second uh, timers. Uh, the whole thing was done in 45, 50 minutes. Uh, it's pretty exciting too because you you are uh, you know you have thirty seconds to pick and if you have good rankings it's it's not too hard and you get used to it but if you're like searching around for players and it can be a little bit uh, daunting but we've we've made a way on the site to uh, upload the top two hundred uh, for underdogs format you can upload that to, to underdog and draft right from that and you know most of the players that I like will be towards the top and you can kind of pick the players that you like as well and, and come together with a team that you that you like at the end. And it's uh, you're, you're drafting against guys that maybe don't have their uh, have their rankings up and you maybe have an advantage that way. So it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a really nice interface. And uh, yeah, I've probably done 10 drafts now. And uh, uh, they're, they're a great partner for us this year. 
Gentlemen, so let's get into the quarterback position. I'm just curious overall, how do you view the quarterback position this year? I've, I've heard some people say that, you know, the late round quarterback, it's dead. Do you think that's the case? Well, I think you, you look at the rankings as a, you know, holistically or from a macro point of view this year, and it, it seems like there's, you know, a group at the top uh, that, you know, you you have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who are, I think are a little bit ahead of the other guys, but there's another five guys and maybe another two that you can add to that. We'll get into who I'm talking about a little bit more. And so maybe you have nine guys that I would really feel comfortable starting, um, you know, assuming Aaron Rodgers reports. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but and then you got a couple, few more, 10 to get to the 10 to 13 part of the rankings. And you're like sort of pretty comfortable with them as your QB one. And then after that, it's, you know, kind of a crap shoot from 14 on down. And there's some guys in there that I like, and there's some opportunity there compared to ADP um, in my rankings versus the ADP. And so there's some, some opportunity there to, to get some value that I think is value. And then there's some players that I think are overdrafted. So we'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, why don't you ask me after this conversation whether or not I think late-round quarterback is dead because I don't think I'll have a better answer at the end of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, I think most analysts are pretty much, you know, the, the same. They have the same quarterbacks in the top seven in, in some order. Underdog ADP has them in this order, though. You've got Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar, Kyler Murray, Dak, Russell Wilson, and then Justin Herbert. This group is going off the board in the fourth through seventh round range. Are you okay with that order, or do you have them kind of in a in a? Is there anything that really stands out that that you would differ from that order? See, I, I would put Dak. I have Dak at three. I have Kyler Murray at four. Those two you could flip flop if you wanted to take Murray ahead of Prescott. I wouldn't, uh, you know, look at you strange. I, I think Lamar is my fifth, and then uh, I have Herbert ahead of Wilson. Uh, the second half of the season last year, that Wilson. They didn't let him cook anymore. They let him cook for a while. <laughs> and then he, he lost, I think, three or four. It wasn't him, but the team lost three or four. He had some interceptions. And then suddenly they went pretty run heavy, and his numbers declined. And so that's a little bit alarming. I don't know if they're – they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they took Estridge, and you know they added uh, Gerald Everett. So they should be able to throw the ball. Um, the defense isn't great. Uh, so – I, I have it Mahomes right now, uh, Allen, Prescott, Murray, Jackson, Herbert, and Wilson. Um, and I think you look at Prescott coming off the, the ankle injury, you know, he was the number two quarterback through the first four weeks. He finished number two in fantasy the year before. And he's returning to a team that doesn't have a great defense, but they do have a great receiving core, Mari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, uh, Dalton Schultz at uh, tight end. They also have Ezekiel Elliott who can catch the ball. So this is really pointing towards a big season from Prescott. So I think the one concern that you might have there with him is, you know, whether or not his injury is he's over his injury, his ankle surgery or uh, ankle injury, a season ending ankle injury in week five, uh, all signs point to the fact that he's back in full. So I, I think him and, and Murray are, you know, kind of there at three and four. And then I would put Jackson after that, since he regressed uh, after a really big season the year before. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers before, and I know we're going to get to him, uh, you know, probably a couple of times throughout the podcast. I, I'm assuming that you're going to mention him at least because he's kind of the outlier, right? Or he's kind of the caveat to the whole quarterback situation heading into this year's fantasy year. But if mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers announces that he is that he is in fact returning to Green Bay, does he immediately jump ahead of any of the guys that we just mentioned? Yeah, he was the number one fantasy quarterback last year. He's got multiple number one number two finishes in his career people will say that he wasn't great the previous years you know prior to last year uh and i think you're looking at the, the not the new normal necessarily he's going to be the mvp and the top overall fantasy quarterback but i think you know a couple years in matt lafleur's offense entering year three you know, robert tanyan has emerged they had they drafted Amari Rodgers. The receiving core is, I would say, decent now when you include Tanyan, or Tanyan. And then you've got Aaron Jones, who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. So I would, I would, if he said, I'm coming back, or I'm back, or something like that, I would put him at probably five uh, this year ahead of Lamar. I mean, I like Lamar, uh, but Rodgers, what he did last year, and then maybe his 
whole demeanor, his he holds a grudge is better than anybody, and I really respect that because I think grudge holders really are motivated every year. And I think he, you know, even if he says I'm back for a year, he's going to want to tear up the league again and make it so that his value is as high as possible heading into next year so he has as much control over what's happening to his uh, career. He's made several comments about how he just doesn't have the control that he wants over how this all ends. So I would put him at, at immediately in the top five if he's if he's for sure back. But right now he's going uh, 13th off the board. So I think there's an opportunity if you think that this is all just kind of a dog and pony show and that he's going to be back, or if you think that he's going to be able to force his trade to the Broncos or some other team that is, has a favorable situation for him, then getting him at QB 13 is a pretty good value. Uh, you, you can take that discount and and grab him, uh, especially, I think, in redraft leagues where you could cut bait and start going uh off the waiver wire and streaming the position, or maybe you draft Rogers and a, another late round guy who's got upside, uh, and then hope that one of them hits. Um, I think I think in best ball it's a little bit dicier because you're stuck with the pick. Uh, if Rogers decides, oh no, I, I'm really don't want to play for Green Bay anymore, and I'm going to retire, I'm going to sit out the year, then you're kind of screwed. But I don't think there's a high possibility of that. I, I'm t- I tend to believe James Jones and. Uh, that crew, but maybe I'm being too optimistic because I'm a Packer fan. So keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> I think that I think that you know Jones saying that it's fixable and all this, uh, and I don't think Rodgers has a whole lot of. I think we talked about this yesterday or last week, but uh, I don't think he has a whole lot of uh, control over what's going to happen, leverage or what's going to happen, other than the fact that he could just say, no, "Screw it, I'm gonna I'm gonna forego the multi million dollars and not play out of spite." Uh, I think he ends up showing up and. You know, given that he's the QB 13 right now and he finished number one last year and really nothing's changed, um, that's, a, that's a pretty good value in my mind. Should there be any other players in that group? Yes, I think the, the, my primary target now in fantasy drafts is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, once that Julio Jones trade hit, I, my concerns about his lack of weapons are gone. Uh, he has been a top five, top seven type quarterback since he took over as a starter for Tennessee. Uh, he's got a great situation and he's going um, QB 12 or something like that. QB 11, QB 12. And I have him at eight. So I would take him right after Wilson. And I think, I think that's neck and neck him and him and Russell Wilson. So uh, I think he's the the best value of these QB one types that's that's out there right now because he's going in the like in the ninth round, so that allows you to draft, you know, three running backs, four receivers, and a tight end in the first eight rounds, and be able to add Ryan Tannehill, top five, top seven caliber player at his position to your to your lineup, and you know as your ninth pick. So I think that's a pretty powerful uh, way to to start your draft. The next tier seems to be Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Brady, Tannehill, who you just mentioned, Matthew Stafford, who I think is going to have a huge year now that he's with Sean McVay. Looking forward to your thoughts on him. And then Aaron Rodgers. Who's the 13th quarterback off the board? And, you know, we just got done talking about him. But this group is typically being drafted in, John, the 8th to 10th, 10th round range. What do you make of that draft order and of this group? So you're getting into Hertz, who's kind of a wild card. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Deshaun Watson because there was a later because there, there was a report from Adam Schefter about the Eagles potentially going after Deshaun Watson. So there's that that kind of looming perhaps. He's the wild card because he's throwing the ball. Is his ability to throw the ball is kind of up in the air. We're not sure if he's going to be a good enough uh, NFL quarterback in that respect. But he's going to obviously run the ball really well. Uh, Joe Burrow was solid last year, QB 16-ish numbers, I think, and you're expecting him to take a, a step forward, expecting that to be a really high-volume offense. Uh, the ACL, you wonder if it's 100% and if he's going to run as much as he did because he does have some legs and that he adds that Konami code uh, aspect to his game. Uh, and then you have the non-Konami code guys, Tom Brady and Matthew <laughs> Stafford. Stafford runs a little bit more than Brady. Brady apparently just plays with torn MCLs. In his knee and everything. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he doesn't run. 
Uh, so I think Brady and Stafford, you can get away with the pocket passers if they um, have good weapons and are really productive and throw a lot of touchdowns and everything and for a lot of yards. And I think Brady and Stafford both fit into that uh, mold. Brady, Brady probably a little bit more so because he's got such a good receiving core with uh, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, uh, O.J. Howard. They added Giovanni Bernard as a pass catcher there. So a really deep and talented receiving core for Brady, and he obviously had a good year last year in that offense and really didn't get rolling until the second half of the season. So you would expect him to even be better as long as the age doesn't start to catch up with him and injuries start to catch up with him. Uh, Stafford, I think it was funny to see Stafford trending because when was the last time Matthew Stafford trended on Twitter? But they somebody came on and uh, somebody ranked him high, I think, in an NFL top 100 or something, and everybody was arguing about whether or not Matthew Stafford is any good. And I watched Stafford play at least twice a year against the Packers, um, and probably more so. And I think he's got a really strong arm. He's an accurate quarterback. He's been in a terrible situation on a bad team. Uh, he has been productive even after Calvin Johnson uh, retired. Uh so I think he's a good player, and I think he's now in a situation with Sean McVay. He's a strong offensive mind. He's got some good receivers, Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup, um, you know, Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, so they've added uh, some talent there, and uh, they've got Tyler Higbee and uh, Jacob Harris now is generating some buzz at tight end. So I think it's a great situation for him, and I think he can post QB1 numbers uh, you're just not going to get a ton of rushing yards from him. So I think that's I think this group uh, is right. Um, I think you're looking at you know this group from I think it's whatever nine to thirteen. It looks correct to me, and they're ahead of the the next group uh, in terms of uh, safety. Um, I think the the one wild card here uh, is is Hertz, and you know if you really want to roll the dice on, on a Konami code type player, he's he's the guy. But you wonder. Uh, you know, if, if, how safe he is uh, with respect to the Watson trade and just like if he's going to struggle after uh, over the course of a full season or if he's going to do well. Uh, they did add Devonta Smith there. So, you know, him, Dallas Goddard, Dylan Rieger, uh, and some other players there. He has some weapons, um, but I think he's probably the, the one wild card there that could maybe vault into the top five or maybe fall out of the top 20. Yeah, just one thought on Stafford. I mean, the guys, the guys never had a system. You know, I mean, he it, it just the, forget forget the lack of talent around him. I realize like he had Calvin Johnson, and you know that's what a lot of people kind of glom onto. Well, he he had Calvin Johnson. Why why hasn't he won fourteen Super Bowls yet? Well, he's never had a defense. He's never had a defense, which we never talk about. And he's he he really hasn't had somebody that's going to play to his strengths and make the offense around him. And that's what we're going to see in Sean McVay. I mean, there's a reason why Sean McVay, after Jared Goff got the Rams to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, where Sean McVay said, ah, you know what? Mm, no, we have to upgrade the position. So I think that Stafford, who it sounds like Kyle Shanahan really wanted Stafford too. Mm-hmm. Two guys with outstanding systems wanted Matthew Stafford. So I think I think it's all going to come together for him. And I'll eat my words if, if it doesn't, but... Uh, I think I think good things are ahead for Stafford and good things are ahead for the Rams. All right, now we get yeah, in. Yeah, and I would I would just, I would just add that with if you if you miss out on Tannehill, you don't want Rodgers, then you're getting Stafford as the twelfth, thirteenth quarterback off the board. That's that's good value, and you're, you're I'm also inter- very interested to see him play action with a running game now. Cam Akers play action going deep uh, off the off the off that sort of offense, so you see a lot of. Uh, play action has kind of taken over the NFL and seeing him in that role with a good running game and a strong defense and some, some deep options. I think will be pretty tantalizing. Absolutely. All right. Now we get into a group of youngsters. You got Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, and then Justin Fields going off the board in the 10th to the 12th range. Matt Ryan, not a youngster, but Matt Ryan is going off the board (laughs) in the late 12th. How are you evaluating the 2021 rookies? Yeah, I'm not getting a lot of this group, and here's why. The, I think Trey Lance, if he starts week one, could be a really tantalizing 
I think that's the second time I used the word tantalizing <laughs> in, the, in the last five minutes. He could, he could be a really exciting uh, fantasy uh, quarterback for you because his ability to run the ball. You've got him with Kyle Shanahan. There's a load of weapons in San Francisco. I think the, the one concern you have is that they're pretty run-oriented. Do they, do they run even more to protect their rookie quarterback and sort of let him ease his way into his rookie season? Um, of, of these three, you know, you think that Lawrence pretty much is the surefire one to start week one, and Lance probably the next best chance. And then Fields, I think, has a lot of upside as well. I wouldn't say as much as Lance, given the, the, the weapons in Chicago versus uh, the weapons in San Francisco, along with the offense and the offensive mind behind it. Uh, Fields, they're, they're just talking about how they want to replicate this Kansas City model with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith from Mahomes' rookie year. And so you wonder, are they really intent on getting fields on the field? Uh, you know, James Coe brought, I brought this up on the, the, the live stream, and James Coe brought up a good point that, you know, Andy Reid had all the job security in the world when that was happening, and Matt Nagy, you can't say the same about him. So if things start to go sideways in Chicago, then they're probably going to see fields uh, earlier rather than later and you know Andy Dalton didn't show a whole lot as the starting quarterback for the Cowboys with a great receiving core so yes I think that these guys will start uh, Fields and Lance I think they'll start fairly early in the season but it's weird to me that they are trying to replicate this KC model and are basically saying we want Fields to sit the whole year that would be optimal um, and then turn around in week four and you're starting him so you're, you're using like pretty good draft capital to get these guys Lance, I feel better about. Lawrence, uh, I think um, it sounds like the Jacksonville may go very run heavy in order to protect him in his rookie year, uh, which makes me a little bit more bullish on like a James Robinson type than it does about the whole uh, Jacksonville passing game. It doesn't sound like Urban Meyer wants to go in there and like start uh, passing the ball all over the all over the field. Um, they want to be conservative and and kind of ease Lawrence into the into the season, and then. Fields, you don't know if he's going to start in the first month or so, so you're using a pick on a guy that may not be out there, and you need to have a plan for your QB1 role at that point. So that's where I'm at. And So I'm a little low on these guys rankings-wise because I'm not sure that they're going to start. I've got them projected for 15 starts instead of 17 starts, and that's going to move them way down the rankings. All right, let's get back into Matt Ryan here for a second. He doesn't offer much of a rushing floor, and as you mentioned before when you, you talked about Ryan Tannehill, he lost – Julio Jones. So he was a QB 12 last year, QB uh, QB 11 the year before. Is it over for Ryan as a QB one, or do you think he can finish in the top 12 again this year? And I, you know, you're obviously a, a Falcons fan, so you should chime in on this as well. But you know, losing Julio, that's a big deal. Uh, you look at his splits um, without uh, Julio, and they're not pretty. Uh, right. He still has. You know, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage is solid. They added uh, Kyle Pitts. So if Pitts is like the real deal and he's like this generational tight end talent and he can catch 800, 900 yards, you know, receiving and, you know, push 10 touchdowns, then maybe Ryan can continue this QB1 stuff. But the fact that he doesn't run the ball really lowers his floor and makes him more risky because if he has a bad game passing, he's not going to finish in the top 20. Uh, he needs to really tear it up pretty much every week in order to push those QB1 numbers because he's got to make up for the fact that he doesn't run the ball. I mean, if a guy gets 40 yards rushing a game, that's like throwing an extra touchdown. Right. So Ryan's got to make that up as as a as a passer in yardage or you know in the, in throwing touchdowns. So um, what do you? I mean, I think the one thing that you can look at here, you know, you get the Pitts replacing Julio, which I think is a downgrade. And then you've got Arthur Smith now, yeah. who did such a good job with Ryan Tannehill. And if he's the real deal, like him and Pitts, if they're both the real deal, then I think there's a path for Ryan to be back as a QB1. But, you know, I'm not feeling it, given the, given the state of the position right now. You beat me to the punch on the, the Arthur Smith edition. I, I don't think we should overlook that. You know, like you, like you mentioned, Ryan Tannehill, when he was in Miami, he was largely considered a bust. Now we know with Adam Gase and the mess that he, he created in New York – we knew how we now know how uh, much of a disadvantage that Ryan Tannehill was 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 under in Miami. So he gets to Tennessee, he gets the starting quarterback job when um, uh, Mariota struggles, and Arthur Smith turns him into a legitimate playoff slinger. And yeah, he had Derrick mm-hmm. Henry and all that, but 
Look, I think I think that's a huge deal. And Matt Ryan has been in a when Matt Ryan is in a system, a la Kyle Shanahan, in his second year, he won an MVP and the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. So I I, I don't think Arthur Smith is Kyle Shanahan, but I do think that he can he can have a profound impact on this offense. But where I kind of where I have my concerns you already talked about Julio Jones and length losing him. It's, you just you can't you can't replace Julio Jones. Kyle Pitts. I hope I hope he's fantastic. I hope he's the weapon that you know everybody says says he's going to be. But John, when I look at this offensive line for the Falcons, I mean they they don't have Alex Mack anymore. You know they're starting Matt Hennessy, who's a third round pick a couple of years ago. He's starting at center. As of right now, Willie Wright is your left guard. Jalen Mayfield they drafted. Drew Dahlman they drafted. So maybe one of those guys starts at left guard. But when I look at this old line, yeah, they got they got three first rounders on it. But Jake, Jake Matthews not a great year last year. Chris Lindstrom I was very high on out of Boston College in 2019, but book still out on him. And then I was not a huge fan of Caleb McGarry, who's a right right tackle out of Washington. They traded back in to the 2019 draft for him. The offensive line is a massive question mark. So I wonder if with Mike Davis there and Cordero Patterson kind of mixing in a little bit, and then you got Kyle Pitts, I wonder if everything's going to be kept, kept kind of around the line of scrimmage, and that's going to that's going to really curtail Matt Ryan's um, you know fantasy numbers. I I think at best he finishes QB twelve. I think at worst probably QB QB fifteen. I don't think I'm going to be looking looking much at Matt Ryan this year. Yeah, and you're describing a situation where he's got a pretty high floor, but a, but not much upside. You're exactly. not going to get a top five, top seven season out of him, probably. So, I think you summed that summed that up pretty well. Well, thank you, sir. All right, let's move on. Let's let's talk to uh, or talk to yeah. Let's talk to two at of a law. Let's talk about him. He's uh, he's going off the board QB eighteen, seven picks after Ryan, sometime in the early thirteenth round or so. I saw that you had him ranked number fourteen, and then drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl. Does Tua make make the leap this year? In your opinion, I think he might. I started breaking out his games where, you know, he didn't get benched, <laughs> which is you know that's not really fair. That's not really fair either, but. Like when things are going well, he was doing well. So if that if that makes any sense, in the six games where uh, Tua played at least fifty snaps, which exclude, excludes his first start in week eight, along with partial games in week eleven with a thumb injury, week sixteen he was benched. I think that was against the Raiders. He averaged two hundred and fifty six yards and one point three touchdowns through the air. He added sixteen yards rushing uh, per game and point five touchdowns as a runner. So that's 18.9 fantasy points per game. That's more than what Big Ben averaged, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Joe Burrow last season. So, and what I'm getting at with that is that, you I mean, you can't just take out the guy's bad games and, and say he's a good quarterback necessarily. But they added uh, Will Fuller, who's obviously a field-tilting speedster. Uh, I'm not super bullish that he's going to have 16, 17 games played, but when he's out on the field, he's going to change that offense. Jalen Waddell uh, looks to be, you know, a really good route runner, according to Matt Harmon at Reception Perception. He's obviously got a ton of speed. Uh, Tua and Waddell are familiar with each other uh, from their days at Alabama. Uh, they have Devontae Parker coming back and Mike Kosicki. Um, so he's got quite a bit of weapons, uh, quite a number of weapons. Miles Gaskin can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's actually better as a receiver than he is, as, you know, as a runner, a primary runner. So... I think that he falls into that category where, you know, the quarterback, uh, you know, since 2001, there's 36 rookie quarterbacks started at least 12 games. And I always found this result interest interesting is that there's each quarterback in the sample either averaged 16.9 fantasy points or more. And I call those the good rookies or they averaged 13.8 fantasy points or less. And I call those the bad rookies of the quarterbacks that had in the bad group who went on to start 12 plus games as a sophomore. And I think that's probably going to be Tua. Um, they saw an average increase of 25% in points per game in year two. And I think he showed enough in games where things were going pretty well that he is one of these QB2 types that could ascend if everything breaks his way into QB1 territory. And that's why I've got him at 14 instead of the ADP uh, QB18 that he is right now. According to ADP, the next group of quarterbacks consist of Kirk Cousins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, and Zach Wilson. They're all going off the board between the 13th and 15th range as the QB19, QB2, uh, QB24. 
Who stands out in this group? Uh, Cousins is interesting because he has finished 11th last year and 16th the year before. So he's been, you know, had a pretty high floor. I guess you wonder a little bit about his job security, but he's probably fine. I think that, the, you know, if it goes off the rails, he might get benched. Um, but if the, if the Vikings are, you know, in the playoff hunt, um, he probably plays a full season. And he's got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and he's got Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook can catch a ball. So he's sort of a QB2 type that has a high floor. He's not going to wow anybody, but, you know, you could get him in, as part of a committee and, um, you know, play him in his favorable matchups and, and do pretty well. And the other guy that stands out to me is is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, he has been productive when he's been given a, an opportunity to play a whole game or to start and finish. Um, he it's hard to project him for a full season because he hasn't uh, played a full season since 2015. He's always getting benched or coming in in relief or whatever. But you look at the situation this year, and it's just different. Um, the Washington football team signed him to a, like a $10 million deal. Uh, they've got Terry McLaurin. They signed Curtis Samuel, uh, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. They've got a good tight end and uh, Logan Thomas. So this is a really good situation. And I didn't even mention their offensive line is fantastic. A lot of talent on that offensive line. So this sets up really well for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to, to play a full season, get into the playoffs, and you know maybe push 30 touchdowns passing. And he also adds that rushing floor that you look for, 15 to 20 yards uh, rushing per game. So um, I'm looking at him to probably post high-end QB2, low-end QB1 numbers if he – uh, if things go well in Washington, and they are set up to go pretty well uh, in Washington, I think. Jameis Winston is currently going off the board QB 25, while Taysom Hill is going QB 30. Nick Underhill reported in early June that Watson is not has not solidified the starter job and that the team will hold a true quarterback competition. While ranking the Saints' top 20 players for the Athletic, Larry Holder said that he is, quote, assuming he'll land as the number two quarterback and return to his Swiss Army knife role on a full-time basis. What's your read on the New Orleans quarterback situation, John? Yeah, it's interesting. I uh, chatted with Derek Brown on on uh, Twitter yesterday, and uh, we were actually in a charity league together, and I took Winston, uh, and then in the same round, he took Taysom Hill because he's a believer that Taysom Hill will – will win the job. And I, I think at the start of the offseason, I was sort of in the same boat. Like we, we saw what happened when Breeze went out last year and they gave the job, they gave Hill the four starts. And why would they not, why is he not in the lead for this year? And the, the story that I've read over multiple beat writer reports is that they felt like they needed to give Hill that opportunity. He played Atlanta twice <laughs> and no and no offense no, he, did, yeah. he did well they, and that was part of it they knew that they were going to play Atlanta and that was a favorable matchup for their offense or especially their passing offense um, and he did he did well he posted good numbers against them um, there was that weird Denver game where the Denver lost all their whole entire uh, quarterback right. room and had to start uh, was it Kendall Hinton, Hinton at quarterback yeah. And they did, and they didn't let really let Hill do much of anything in that game. They basically said the only way we're going to lose this game is if we turn the ball over and put Denver in favorable field position. And so we're just basically going to, you know, Kamara this whole thing to death and just get get out of this game. So that showed like a lack, maybe a lack of confidence in Hill uh, to to be a normal quarterback in that game. And then. Uh, you know, losing to Philly, who was kind of swooning that team at that time, um, he, his numbers were okay in that game uh, from a fantasy standpoint, and his fantasy numbers in general were pretty good when he started. Um, but the, the the vibe I'm getting from all these beat writers, like I haven't seen a beat writer say Hill's got a good chance to start. Like they're all saying there's going to be a quarterback competition. Winston is in the lead right now and is probably going to start unless he falls flat on his face. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's this narrative that Sean Payton wants to be able to take Hill and turn him into a, you know, a quality NFL quarterback. Well, I think there's also that narrative where he wants to reclaim uh, Jameis Winston from the, the junk pile and teach him how, how to not turn, turn the ball over and teach him how to be a quarterback in his system and turn him into a, 
a top 10 guy again because he Winston has proven that he can post top five fantasy numbers. So, um, and then, and then the other thing that I, I joke about it on Twitter, but Winston got LASIK and I think seeing and being able to see clearly <laughs> might be important, uh, to a quarterback's ability to throw the ball accurately. Uh, he, I don't know if this is going to make him not throw interceptions, but he might see the defenders better. Uh, he, he got LASIK since he was the starter in, in, in the box. And you see pictures of him squinting at the, the scoreboard. And I'm just like, how are you playing quarterback <laughs> with blurry vision? Like, I don't, I like, to me, NFL quarterback is tough enough to play without having, you know, the blurry players to throw to or to throw, you know, to avoid. So I do think there is a little bit of that in playing into my, uh, you know, thinking as well. I think at 25, uh, Winston can be a part of your quarterback plan for sure, especially if you're coming out uh, of the first several rounds. I mean, he's going really late. So if you're, if you're coming out of those rounds not feeling super settled with your quarterback, maybe you draft uh, Aaron Rodgers and you're not sure. Maybe you uh, place a bet on Winston. Uh, and you've got now you've got Rodgers and Winston and you've got a couple outs as to getting a you know quality fantasy season out of one of the two. Uh, you could also use him as part of a committee. You could also just, you know, if you want to get like a, a Cousins as your starter and you want some upside on your bench, maybe you draft Winston. So I think there are certain situations. I'm not, this is not somebody that I would certainly be targeting, but if I find myself lacking at the quarterback position later in the draft, uh, he's certainly somebody that's on my radar. After Winston, you got Derek Carr, Sam Darnold, Ben Roethlisberger, Jared Goff. They're all going off the board somewhere between QB 26, QB 29 in the 16th, the 18th rounds. So we're talking mainly two quarterback super flex leagues here, John. Carr finished in the top 15 last year. Roethlisberger's number 14. Why are you, um, why do you think that these guys are going so late? I think, uh, well, Carr is kind of like an oatmeal pick. Uh, and somebody in my Scott Fishbowl league called uh, uh, David Johnson an oatmeal pick. So it's just unex- unexciting. <laughs> like nobody wants to have like plain yeah. oatmeal for breakfast, but you just sort of have it. So I think that's I think that's kind of the case with Carr. He's been effective, um, accurate. I think the concern, you know, they lost Aguilar. They replaced it with John Brown. That might be an upgrade, but Brown could get injured. He's, that's his concern. Uh, their offensive line is pretty questionable. They've uh, traded away or let go three starters off that offensive line. And, you know, they, all they did to replace them really was draft a, a first round guy uh, uh, in the draft. So uh, I think, you know, Carr you're, look, Carr, you're looking at as a QB2. He's probably a value QB2 if he's going this late because he's, you know, he'll probably end up in the top 20. He's pretty durable and fairly effective, but he's not going to win you many weeks. Uh, but, you know, you're getting five, six, seven spots of, of, of value there. And I think with, with Roethlisberger, you know, he's certainly somebody that could finish in the top 15 again. But, you know, he's sort of injury prone at this age. Uh, and the the Steelers want to establish the run uh, after drafting Najee Harris in the first round. And they basically signaled that they want to run the ball more. So he saw a lot of uh, pass attempts last year that he probably is not going to see this year, even though he has one of the better uh, receiving core uh, in the league. Now, he there's ways around this, and Roethlisberger could end up with 35 touchdowns and you know quite a few yards and uh, end up a, a good bit higher than where he's being drafted, but he has to stay healthy. Maybe the defense maybe has to take a step back in order for him to get into some shootouts. Um, so and then he's not he offers absolutely nothing. He's like Brady doesn't run the ball at all. So I think Brady's actually probably more likely to give you some rushing points because he'll at least do a sneak at the, at the goal line. I don't think Roethlisberger is too interested <laughs> in doing that. So um, I think he'd rather hand it off to Harris. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at with those two. And then, you know, Darnold, I think, is interesting since he's joining Carolina. That's a, that's a, receive, uh, that's a, a coaching staff that I have some confidence in that they can identify somebody that might fit within their system. And I'm not ready to write him off after – uh, he spent the last year or two with uh, Adam Gase. Uh, he was decent as a rookie, um, and then since then it's kind of gone downhill. But I think you know, with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, you got one of the best receiving backs, probably the best receiving back in the league, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they added Terrace Marshall as well. Um, there's there's a chance that Darnold you know finishes with high QB two numbers if everything breaks his way, and he actually turns out to be a pretty decent quarterback. And as for golf, Goff, he's another like oatmeal pick. Like, 
he, he might get some volume in, in Detroit, but he doesn't run the ball. Uh, the receiving core there is brutal, uh, brutally thin. Um, and, it, you know, he might end up with 20 touchdowns if he's lucky. And it, it's just not pretty at this point. You're just drafting him as a, you know, just to have a backup that start, is a starter, I, I think, at this point in the draft. I wouldn't touch Jared Goff with your fantasy team. <laughs> I think the Lions are going to be yeah. dreadful, and I think he's going to be exposed for, you know, being a product of Sean McVay. But maybe I'm wrong. And if anybody, you know, that uh, likes Jared Goff or is in their family, in his family, I do apologize for my comments, <laughs> but I stand by him. After that group, we get to the New uh, the New England quarterbacks. Of course, you got Cam Newton, you got Mac Jones, a rookie, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jordan Love, Drew Locke. And Andy Dalton. Speaking of oatmeal picks, right? Andy Dalton's got to be the ultimate oatmeal pick. How do you see the New England, Denver, and Houston quarterback situation shaping up, John? Yeah, I don't actually think Dalton qualifies as oatmeal because we're not sure that he's going to start for very long. So he's uh, he's like he's not like a solid, boring meal. He's like uh, he's like a meal that might get pulled out from underneath you. A boring meal that's going to get pulled out. From he's underneath he's you. he's like a leftover. Uh, but, he's the leftover meal that you're not you're not quite sure that you should eat it. So you start and then and yeah, then might, halfway through you're yeah. like you know I forget it. It might have your stomach exactly. starts to hurt and it might have <laughs> might have turned. Um, no offense to Andy Dalton or his family. Uh, Cam Newton, Mac Jones is one of the interesting quarterback competitions because Newton, you know, former MVP, uh, offers a different skill set than Mac Jones. And, you know, I give, I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I, I give him kind of a pass for last year. He didn't have many, really any weapons. Jacoby Myers, really, the only one in the passing game that, of, of note who might start for them this year. Um, and they've added, you know, two good tight ends, a good receiver who, who did well with the Raiders, Aguilar, last year. And he can run the ball. And uh, he caught that COVID and uh, said he had, like, brain fog. I mean, he was basically describing the long COVID brain fog that he was playing with in the middle of the season. So you can kind of understand why they maybe they were struggling. So they did draft Mac Jones, uh, 15th overall, I believe. And he's the heir apparent. But how soon he takes over is yet to be determined because of Newton is sort of back to his younger days or at least is feeling good and is over COVID and understands the offense and has some weapons to throw to, then he can certainly lead this team who's going to have a good um, defense and a strong offensive line. They could certainly win some games early and he could keep his job for quite some time. So I'm not like, I'm not, I don't have a good feel for when Jones is going to start in this offense. I think Newton either has to fall flat on his face, they have to start losing some games, or Jones has to be so good that uh, they have to turn to him. Uh, they have to go ahead and give him the keys. As for the as for the Broncos, the Bridgewater lock fight is their battle is kind of it's it's, it's weird because then you also got the, the the contingent of Broncos fans that just want them to trade for or are expecting them to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, so you got these guys fighting for a seat that may not even be there. Uh, but you know, Locke, I think heading into last year, people were kind of high on him and he didn't have a great season getting Cortland Sutton back. Uh, this is a very interesting job, uh, uh, camp battle as well, because Bridgewater was okay for the Panthers, but didn't do anything special. I think he had 3,700 yards passing 15 touchdowns in 15 games. So nothing special there that, that Locke can't do. So if they think that Locke still has the upside, he's going to win that job. But, um, you know, from a draft pick standpoint, it's hard to feel confident about running either one of these guys really out uh, for your team. So, uh, as for Houston, um, well, let's talk. Well, let's talk about Houston a little bit later. I think right now we've got Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills there, and you're probably going to see Mills sooner rather than later. But the, I think the wild card is Watson. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Watson here in a second. But before we do, you said you know, to ask you later, right? Like we started the podcast saying, well, ask me later how I feel about kind of the, the late round quarterback and whether or not it's dead. So what do you, what do you think now? I don't think it's dead. I think that maybe things have changed a little bit where now everybody's looking for that uh, high floor in the running game and also somebody that can score through the air. And, um, but I think that you, it also sort of depends on what you determine as late quarterback. I mean, if it's ninth round and or eighth round, then certainly, Ryan Tannehill qualifies as a player that players or, you know, fancy owners should be targeting this year. I love him at the, that price and the, your ability to add him to a roster that's already stacked at the other positions is really, really uh, appealing. Um, Aaron Rodgers going off the board, QB 13, all it takes is for him to tweet out that he's back. And now you've got a top five quarterback. 
Uh, so you could even draft both Tannehill and Rodgers if you wanted, or draft one of the two and then maybe add a guy like Tua, who we talked about earlier earlier with you know, maybe taking a big step forward this year with all these weapons in Miami, and that's an ascending team and ascending offense. Uh, you could draft Tannehill or Rodgers and then also draft uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, as sort of a stopgap in case, you, you know, oh, actually you don't need Ryan Tannehill and Fitzpatrick if you're in a one-quarterback league because I think Ryan Tannehill is so solid. But if you're going Rodgers, you might want to draft Fitzpatrick later, and then you've got a stopgap in case Rodgers decides to sit out the season. You're, you might be sitting on a, a low-end QB1 in Fitzpatrick. And then Jameis Winston. So I think, you know, with Winston, you could do a Fitzpatrick-Winston combination, wait very long until you draft your two quarterbacks, and you're probably going to get um, solid production out of Fitzpatrick while he's starting. And if Winston ends up being the starter, he's proven he can do a QB5 season. I think the one concern with Winston is that he's being pulled at the goal line for Taysom Hill, and he's, that hurts his numbers a little bit. But he should be good for what Drew Brees perform, you know, produced with with uh, with Taysom Hill uh vulturing some some plays um so i think those are your guys if you're looking late round quarterback i'm looking at tua i'm looking at fitzpatrick i'm looking at winston but i'm also you know you're you have Tannehill and rogers there going in the you know eighth seventh eighth ninth round um i'm not exactly sure where rogers is going but qb 13 i think he's going after Tannehill right now so you know you can get rogers Tannehill ninth round that's uh, that's fantastic value before we wrap things up, I do got to ask you, before we came on, ESPN's Adam Schefter noted, and he believes, that there is no team better positioned to trade for Deshaun Watson than Philadelphia. Schefter adds that he isn't sure when the Texans might finally be ready to deal Watson and that they, that they will surely wait for his value to regenerate following this offseason sexual assault allegations. It's not a given that will happen, of course. Uh, ESPN's Sarah Barshop also reported in May that there had been settlement talks going on. Uh, it's still possible, if not probable, where it's Roto, Roto, uh, Roto World that teams won't exactly be clamoring to acquire a player that now has a lot of off-field stuff on his resume. So, uh, John, I always feel like we give the, give the disclaimer. We're a fantasy podcast. So let's stick to fantasy, you know, football, um, you know, but – when it comes to Deshaun Watson, there's there's certainly a lot of baggage now. One, what do you think about the Eagles report from Schefter? And two, if if you are in redraft leagues, what do you think about adding Deshaun Watson late? <laughs> I, uh, the the conversation that we had prior to the the podcast was about Watson, and it, it, <laughs> we don't want to go into too much detail there. But I think I think it's really weird. Uh, I will just say this. It's really weird to have 30 plus different massage therapists. Uh, I think, you know, and that's definitely from my perspective where I've settled on one and uh, my wife and I get massages monthly uh, every with the, from the same person for years. Uh, you find somebody you like and you stick with them. So this whole thing with him seeking out multiple uh, massage therapists to me is very, very strange. There's a lot of smoke here. Um and it hasn't been proven in court uh, and all that. But he he re- requested a trade from Houston before all this even started. So I don't see him playing for Houston this year. I think I think that the Texans would like to just move on from the situation. Uh, and if they can get if they can trade him away and get assets in return uh, and get, get rid of this headache and start over, then they probably will. Um, this thing from Schefter is interesting because would you know Philly want to have a franchise quarterback with this sort of baggage in his you know coming along with this sort of baggage? Um, is there therapy or something that he's going to have to go to to sort of try to rehab his image and rehab himself? Hopefully in life, um, maybe. Uh, I think in I think in best ball, I've just basically been avoiding him because I think it might just be a wasted pick and that he's going to sit out the year. He could end up on the NFL's exempt list because of this all going on around him and they, they're not going to let him play until this is settled. Um, so from a best ball standpoint, I'm sort of avoiding him. I think in a redraft standpoint, um, you could, if you are okay with having him on your team, uh, he certainly has a ton of upside. And you could cut him if it looks like he's not going to play or, you know, you get into towards week one and things haven't resolved themselves. Uh, you could certainly just cut him and move on. 
uh, and stream the position, or you know, maybe you're, you've drafted one of the aforementioned players, and um, you can just start them. So I think there's less risk there with redraft, taking him with a late round pick, than there is with something with best ball, where he's eating up a bench spot, and you got to stare at him <laughs> in your best ball lineups every every week, and he's not giving you any points. So. This whole thing with Schefter saying this is interesting because Schefter's very plugged in. I do wonder if this was a quote-unquote cumulative report right. <laughs> that he used for the Rodgers uh, bombshell that he dropped on draft day to try to create uh, clicks and ratings for his uh, company, uh, or if it's uh, something that he's actually heard that Philly's actually interested in, in trading for Watson if this thing resolves, resolves itself. Because certainly this would affect the Philly players, and it's a big boost for all of them from a fantasy standpoint, except for, except for Jalen Hurts, um, who would obviously be out of a job if Watson arrives. So I think that's, that's sort of the way I'm looking at it at All this right. point. That's well handled, John. I know it's not an easy conversation to have. All right, that wraps it up for this week. Don't forget to take advantage of that promo with Underdog and, la- and, um, and lock in your pro subscription at 4 for 4 You can always upgrade to the DFS or betting subscriptions later on. Once again, that, that uh, link is bit.ly slash 4 for 4 deal And that 4 for 4 deal it's all in cap. So bit.ly slash 4 for 4 deal for all the details and we'll put up the link in our show notes as well so that you can find it there uh you can always find that that pinned tweet as well at 4 for 4 underscore john so for john paulson i'm anthony stalter we'll see you next time on 4for4.com the most accurate podcast You never can tell So one for the money To another show Three for the father, son And holy ghost